This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we unpack the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Last week, one of the more influential countries in East Africa, Kenya, went to the polls to choose a new president. And not for the first time, the outcome sparked controversy, as current Vice President William Ruto narrowly defeated long-term campaigner Raila Odinga. To unpack the significance of the result and its implications for the region and the continent, we joined by Sunday Times correspondent uh, Karin Duplessis, who's just been to Nairobi, uh, as well as uh, David Munyai, who's the Associate Professor of International Relations and Political Sciences at the University of Johannesburg. When people saw and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Chaperson. Order, Chaperson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Welcome to the both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Karin, let's start with you because you have just arrived uh, not too long ago uh, from Kenya. What What is the latest with the election process? Because we saw, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, uh, Raila Odinga say, you know, saying a, a whole lot of uncomplimentary things and uh, essentially you know, rejecting the results as announced. Yeah, Michael, I think that's that's an old habit of his. Um, and sometimes he was right and sometimes he wasn't. And I'm, I think this time he wasn't right. But uh, I saw a video of him, I think, in the 2007 elections rejecting the result. 2013, he rejected the result. 2017, he rejected the result. And the court sort of found in his favor that, you know, that the elections were, were not the results were not sound. Uh, and this year again, he rejected the results. And I think at this point, he can't believe that he, he has lost. Um, but sadly for him, the Electoral Commission, they're much better this year. They, they strengthened a lot of systems. They were very transparent. Uh, I think if there was any rigging, it would have been a, a very minimal. Uh, so yeah, so sadly for him, it, it's a fairly solid result. But I still think he's going to court. Uh, he has seven days from... I think from Monday when the results were declared, he has seven days to to lodge a petition in court, and um, and it looks to me like he will. Uh, there's some controversy over where he, whether he will be successful because part of his objection uh, seems to be based on a mathematical error made by his uh, his campaigners, but. But perhaps he has more, you know, perhaps there's something else that he will take to court. So that's where we stand. But uh, uh, William Ruto has been uh, declared the president-elect, and I guess he will be sworn in after the court process uh, has run its course, the, the petition and so on. Mm. Yeah, Professor Mnyei, uh, Karin seems to think that uh, uh, Raila Odinga might not have a case uh, in his latest objection. Uh, but what are we to make of the fact that uh, four out of seven commissioners disowned the results? Uh, I think uh, that uh, brings the entire process into disrepute and uh, it brings a lot of uh, issues. Um, and the sad part of it is 
the politicization of such an important um, institution uh, of governance in Kenya. Uh, it comes at a very critical moment for Africa. I think we've seen series of elections that are disputed. Uh, and this one uh, for Odinga, I think um, I share current uh, view on this. Uh, his chances, in my view, are, are very slim. Um, we look at the uh, constitutional um, judges that are there. I mean, they've been asserting themselves uh, with the previous ruling on the handshake, uh, a deal that uh, Uhuru and Odinga had of changing the constitution and, and allow um, Uhuru to continue as a prime minister, I think that was rejected uh, outright by the very same judges he's going to face. Uh, so it, it appears that his chances are slim, but the dynamics uh, of, uh, of these uh, elections are quite, are quite interesting uh, to see that uh, Ruto is an underdog, has, has managed to really play a smart game, and 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 and, and he won mm. that. I, I I was going to ask before we proceed into in you know further into the conversation that you know the when you have uh, some commissioners you know on on you know of on, of of the electoral commission uh, publicly disowning the results. What 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 could be happening here? You know, is it is it just disorganization or is it is it uh, a problem of partiality? With some of the commissioners or lack of transparency, what what could be happening here? Because one would expect that, uh, that you know all members of the commission, at the very least, would uh, behind closed doors come to some kind of consensus. Um, I think for me, is the politicization. You could see, I think, the chair uh, quite uh, firm in terms of his ruling and proceeded. Um, following the um, constitution of the country. And uh, if you listen to the other four uh, that broke away from this, uh, they tend to argue more or less as Odinga. Um, They're in the same kind of group. And therefore, I think, uh, I'm not sure about the chair, whether he's in Ruto's camp, uh, it's really hard to say. Uh, But um, the history that he has is highly regarded on the continent within the country uh, of being quite firm on a number of uh, issues. And uh, and this time around, he might as well be um, proven uh, to be right by the, by the judiciary. I just wanted to add to that, that, um, I mean, indeed, the IBC, the, the Electoral Commission, uh, has been it's very politicized and there's a very rough i mean compared to our iec it's it's really wild uh, in 2017 one official was killed and murdered basically in a very gruesome way chopped into pieces and dumped somewhere in the forest and he's i think his finger was cut off and uh, I, I think it was used to to gain access to the systems which i think ultimately led to or could have contributed to the rigging of the of the elections. And even in, in, in this election, uh, one official at, at a voting station, when they were counting the results, he stepped out for, I don't know, cigarette, fresh air or something, and he disappeared. And two, three days later, his body was found. So so it's it's rather, I mean, I don't think we've, we've had that kind of um, contestation in South Africa where uh, electoral officials are actually killed. Um, but, but yeah, but, but it's, it's really rough. And I think, uh, 
there's been some allegations. I mean, Kenya is also a hotbed of gossip, but there's been a lot of allegations that the four dissenting commissioners were very close to Uhuru Kenyatta, um, and that was the reason that they were dissenting. And, and there's also now the question is, could um, Chebukati, could he, um, you know, the, could he unilaterally declare the presidential results or did he have to have consensus with, with all his commissioners? Um, I think that might be a question that, that they will take to court, although, as I understand it, there is an appeal court ruling that gave him the power to do such. And he himself says he was assaulted uh, just before the announcement of the results on Monday at the results tallying center. So it, it was really, really rough. I think, um, yeah, I, th I think, and, and I'm, but I'm, one thing I'm really happy about is the fact that there hasn't been violence on the ground, um, the, the kind of large scale violence that there was in 2007-8, uh, which shows to me that you know, if the politicians haven't grown up, the electorate is fairly mature or just weary of, you know, of of, of violence. So, um, or maybe, or maybe skeptical of of the politicians, you know, as a group that, of people, yeah. you know. But but I wanted to ask you, Karen. The the, the, the I was just intrigued by by uh, the fact that uh, Kenyatta was supporting uh, Odinga. Were they, are they not supposed to be long time? rivals either between you know whether between themselves or between the families you know the dynastic kind of uh, long-running rivalries what was going on here <laughs> yeah kenya's politics is a soapy um i mean uh, kenyatta's father was the first post uh post independence president and odinga's father i think he was vice president post independence but there's been a long-running family rivalry and um, then I think after 2017, Kenyatta fell out with his deputy, William Ruto. Uh, and I mean, it, it has, it's a big mixture of business interests and um, ethnic politics. Um, the reasons for their falling out, I don't know all the, all the, ins, all the finer details of it. But, um, but I think the long and short of it is that, and I think it was around 20, 2018 when there was this handshake between uh, uh, Kenyatta and Odinga, um, and you know, and Kenyatta pointed Odinga to all kinds of um, uh, nice symbolic positions. I think there was one in the AU that he was an ambassador for something. I can't remember the exact title now. Um, but so, so they basically made peace. And I think Kenyatta has interests that he was hoping Odinga would secure for him. That you know, there, there's a lot of business interests, a lot of money in Kenyan politics. Uh, they make South Africa look like an innocent playground. <laughs> From what you know, when I speak to the to the Kenyans there, and when I look in the newspapers about how much riches uh, President former President Kenyatta has, so I think he was hoping that Odinga would look after his interests and would look look after him. Uh, and you know, they I think that they've just been coming such a long way, and it, it's you know their families have been dominating politics. So in that sense, Ruto came, you know, he, he came as a newcomer, a hustler, uh, an outsider, although he w was, you know, I think he was in politics. He's been in politics since at least 1997. He's, he's been in some political position, but he he's kind of seen as an outsider because it's not a family. It wasn't a family thing for him.
So, so Prof, with with uh, William Ruto, you know, let 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 let's let's say he does, uh, you know, despite all the objections and and all of that, uh, ascend to the presidency. Uh, w- would you say that you know, off the back of what Karin was saying, you know, in terms of uh, the the dynastic way in which the politics have been have been conducted, would you say that the ascension of William Ruto marks a a new chapter in the way Kenya does its politics? Or could it be just a flash in the pan that will go back to the two-horse race that it's always been? Uh, it's yes and no. Um, yes, there will be a break that since independence, um, there is this, I mean, the princelings, um, we have more or less the same um, uh, children of uh, liberation heroes. I mean, some of them uh, always feel that they're entitled to lead. Uh, because of the names of their fathers and uh, um, and family name, so I think Kenya faces that. Uh, Ruto really depends how he's going to handle, but it appears that he understands the dynamics and the power uh, in, in the hands of uh, this core group, and therefore I think he will try to navigate. Uh, should he hold as a president? Um, not to touch um, the wealth of the existing families, I think for peace sake, and for him to really um, have peace. Uh, what made him uh, win with this small margin? I think there are key issues. Uh, if you look at the ethnic dimension, uh, is that Uhuru and the Kikuyu uh, majority appears to have held their votes they didn't go in massive number to vote. So I think that opened the door for Ruto to uh, win. On the other hand, I think you see for the very first time in the history, democratic history of Kenya, that uh, this time around, even though ethnicity is a huge issue in Kenya, there's a new dimension of class politics. It looks like a protest vote. And you see the... Those who are unemployed, um, your working class or looted proletariat, if you use a Marxist, um, seem to be having had a more pouring to the um, ballot box. And they gave Ruto much more of the votes that gave him that edge. And therefore, there are changes that are taking place in the politics. The traditional has always been uh, big ethnic groups. Whatever they trade, uh, the winner will have uh, the majority. And this time around, Uhuru seem not to have convinced the Kukuyu group to vote for uh, Odinga. Mm. And 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 uh, Prof, the, the, what, why should just just on a different tech? Um, to bring things, uh, to bring our conversation closer to home. What, why should we care as South Africans about what happens in a country like Kenya? I mean, we're sitting at the southern tip. They are sitting on the easternmost, uh, just about tip. Oh, excellent. I think uh, Kenya is a anchor, uh, one of the uh, key countries on the African continent. If you look at the East Africa community, it's the most uh, powerful country. So Kenya is like South Africa in Southern Africa. Um, given the history of East Africa, I uh, think for stability in South Sudan, um, uh, DRC, since it is now also a member of East African community, uh, at the Horn of Africa, you need a stable uh, Kenya. And Kenya is playing a critical role 
within Africa in terms of at a global level. Um, if you look at the role of United States in that in the region in terms of peace and security, uh, Kenya is quite close to United States. Uh, equally, Kenya is also very close to, 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 to Chinese um, when it comes to infrastructure. I think that's where the bulk of Chinese investments are in Kenya. And therefore, as we talk about Africa, the agenda uh, 2063, we talk about infrastructure development, integration, free trade area. We really need a stable, active Kenya that works alongside South Africa, uh, Nigeria, Algeria, Egypt, and your Morocco. I think for the continent to develop, you really need a stable Kenya uh, to stabilize that region. Mm. Karen, are, are we? Are we? What, what sort of relationships uh, would you say we have? How 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 healthy or otherwise is our relationship with uh, Kenya and South Africa? I mean, do we do business together? Do we do we work together politically? Our, um, our relationship started, I mean, I don't think we had good relations before 2016 when uh, former President Zuma visited Kenya. And I think we were always a little bit, there was always, uh, we were closer to, our political elites have been closer to Raila Odinga, um, you know, Tabo Mbeki's been closer to Raila Odinga than to all the other presidents. So there's always been a bit of suspicion of South Africa, sort of, and, and I think South Africa felt Kenya didn't support it enough during the apartheid era, uh, didn't support the, the ANC enough during the apartheid era. So there's been a bit of suspicion, but in 2016, um, we uh, our ties were mended to some extent, and I think President Ramaphosa has been looking at Kenya, like Prof said, uh, it's a powerhouse in East Africa. And President Ramaphosa has been touching base with East African, you know, the big East African economies, the big West African economies, in order to increase trade and, and economic diplomacy. But what I do find interesting about Ruto is that he is a lot more inward looking, perhaps, than Kenyatta was. Uh, Kenyatta has been credited as well. I mean, he's, he's been involved in, well, I mean, the peace in, in Ethiopia isn't quite going that well, but He's he's been he's been involved, um, like the prof said, in, in other countries and in, in peace processes. He's been credited by the electorate for establishing security. I mean, in Kenya, terrorism is a real threat. Uh, and Ruto has been a lot more inward looking. Um, I think he one of his election promises was that he would kick, for instance, Chinese traders out, those that make the millies by the roadside and that sell mobile phones, because Kenyans can do that too. So, so there's a bit of, 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 you know, the same sort of spirit that is in South Africa, you know, kick out the foreigners so that South Africans or so that the local Kenyans can have jobs. Um, that's been part of Ruto's campaign. And also the big infrastructure projects. When when I left for um, for the airport um, at, you know, when, when I came home, I, I said to the Uber driver, please take the highway um, and there's, it's an expressway that was built. It's right on top of the gridlock roads. There's this beautiful expressway. I mean, it's, it's like the Gau train basically without the train. Um, you just have to drive yourself. And um, and you pay, a, I think, a 40 rand toll to, to go from the um, from Westlands, which is about 20 kilometers from the airport. And it really is beautiful. And Kenyatta took on a lot of debt to build this. And I think the prof could tell, tell us more about the Chinese aspect of this. But um, and, and I think five years ago, just before his re-election, Kenyatta built a, a railway line between Nairobi and Mombasa, uh, which is, you know, now people people speak highly of it. 
But again, he took on a lot of Chinese debt to build it. Uh, and, and Ritter now has to deal with that debt. And he has kind of indicated he doesn't want these big infrastructure projects. He he wants to look at the small business person. He w- wants to set up a fund to help small business people or hustlers, as, as they call themselves in Kenya. Um, so, yeah, so it would be interesting to see how that translates to diplomacy, you know, to output diplomacy and to relations with South Africa. And, you know, and whether there would be more room for South African businesses to, to invest in Kenya and, and vice versa, or whether there would be less room. And and I know, I mean, I, I interviewed the High Commissioner, Ninwa uh, Matlangu, our High Commissioner in, in Nairobi, and he said that, I asked him about the port in Lamu, where Transnet was hoping, um, I think there were some negotiations that Transnet would operate two of the berths and um, and COVID came and, and I think the, the negotiations fell through. But now they still hope that Transnet would, would kind of do some operations there and would um, perhaps build or operate a railway um, inland. Um, I think there's a lot of oil that's being exported there. So, so that kind of business um, might continue or it might not. We'll have to see how, you know, which direction Ruto takes. But I don't imagine that he will, um, you know, that that he will be so inward looking that this would completely not happen. Mm. Hey, Prof, I just, just on a different text slightly, I, I was looking at the at the results, you know, the, the, it's almost like a split of the electorate, half-half. You know, if you've got 50.49 against 48, 48.85, it's almost like a, that, that the electorate is split down the middle so if we take it from there, what, what happens to the in inverted commas, the worthless votes that lost? Is, is that the way we should be conducting politics on the continent? Uh, not uh, not, not uh, in that way. I think it's a worrying factor, especially for Kenya, with deep inequality. Uh, Kenya is quite interesting, uh, and it's good that you look at it that way, because we have so much in common with Kenya in a, in a different way. Uh, historically, Kenya is part of what was considered as quote-unquote settler economy, uh, literally meaning um, British colonies with more white people, uh, South Africa, Zimbabwe, and, and Kenya. Um, and we also have a huge land issue um, uh, conflict. Uh, in the post Uhuru, I think in Kenya, uh, the political leadership are the ones who got big land. So um, up to now, they still have a huge land uh, inequality and poverty is worsening. And therefore, their economy remains a, 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 a colonial economy like South Africa's with big monopoly, uh, uh, as, as we say here, monopoly capital. Um, so these are challenges that uh, Ruto will face, how to bring in newcomers um, into mainstream. And he's part to the establishment in so many ways uh, since he was deputy. Therefore, it would be really hard for him to, to disown or reject what Uhuru has done. Yes, in terms of campaign, he has been playing quite a lot of an anti-China kind of uh, a view and foreigners um, in, in terms of traders. Um, however, I think as a president, we will see what happened in Zambia, where 
we had uh, uh, Sata, the late president, a uh, campaign on an anti-China campaign. But when he became the president, <laughs> he's the one who brought more Chinese into Zambia than any other president. Uh, so it really depends when you're campaigning and when you're the, uh, running. You realize at a global level, there's no capital, particularly from Western world. So I think he has to handle all these dynamics, global, regional, and internal. Um, however, I think you would want to preserve a, a special space for Kenya in the region, the fastest growing tech. Uh, uh, some of us were in and out Nairobi. Nairobi's fastest growing city. Um, it's just like Addis Ababa is the, one of those fast growing cities uh, in Africa. Uh, vibrant, uh, high tech, um, and that requires a lot of investment from both the Western world and East and China in particular. And I think we're going to see Ruto reaching out, well, even to South Africa. It's a huge investor. So the history between South Africa and Kenya is quite rich. Um, historically, um, Kenya hasn't been the so-called progressive liberation movement. Uh, Kenya, some argue that it supported um, Mozambican rebels, the MNR, and uh, it hasn't been in the uh, liberation in the sense of Tanzania, Jiras Nyerere, or KK uh, in, in Zambia. So they've been conservative more in the Western world I think they kicked out the Chinese uh, during in the post-Uhuru uh, era um, and, and the Soviets in the Cold War. So that history, I think Ruto is one of those newcomers, very young, born 1968. Um, and I think he, for him to maintain this power, he might be one-term president. Therefore, I think for him to win, should he stay for the second term, he has to register more to those who have been uh, kicked out of the mm. mainstream economy. Mm. Yeah, Karin, do, do you see him, just to go back to the earlier point, do you see William Ruto reaching out to the people who might have supported uh, Odinga? Or he would just let them stew and wait wait their turn next time? Yeah, I mean, he might reach out, but whether they will reach back, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of animosity and I think there are a lot of people around Odinga hoping for jobs, uh, a lot of people who supported him for years. And and I suspect it's the last time, I mean, he's 77 now. I don't think he has another election campaign in him. But the, the uh, politics in, in Kenya, it's a very foreign, or, well, I mean, it's, it's familiar, but also foreign to a South African uh, because it's, it's very much along ethnic lines. Because I did put this question to an analyst, to a Kenyan analyst, and I said to him, my gosh, Kenya is divided in two. It's it's very it's drastic, and you know, and, and you sort of look at the U.S. that was so divided in two by their presidential vote. South Africa is becoming more divided and fragmented. Um, and he said, no, in Kenya that's actually fairly normal. It's got to do with the um, coalitions that you make according to ethnic group. And the one fascinating thing, the Kikuyu uh, ethnic group is the biggest one. It's seventeen percent of the population. I think. Um, he gave me this um, table. Is uh, I think there's about ten or eleven ethnic groups, but the Kikuyu is the biggest. And he says many Kikuyu children are brought up with this thing from their parents that they should never vote for a Luo, which is what Odinga is. You know, they should never vote for Odinga, never vote for a Luo. 
Um, so I don't know. I mean, if Odinga steps, steps out of this and perhaps the next generation, if, if this kind of politics will fade or if it will just become entrenched because um, Ruto is from the Kalenjin um, uh, ethnic group and that's the third lar largest ethnic group. So far, it's most, most presidents have been Kukuyu. So it could be that... that um, the, the ethnic politics will fade a little bit and that um, if Ruto plays his, you know, class politics right, perhaps there can be some more unity. But I mean, also remember Kenya is a very, it has 47 counties and uh, I mean, the elections were huge. They had six ballot papers. So you elect a governor, you elect a Senate member, you elect an MP, which represents your constituency. You know, it's not like the South African system that's a, a, a what do you call it, proportional representation system. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the, the makeup there is a little bit different, but but I do think it's important that, um, you know, that Ruta be seen, as Prof said, to, to also reach out to those who did not vote for him uh, so that he can get in for a second term. And I think that's the upside. Ruta is 55 years old and he can serve a second term. Perhaps Odinga would not have had that, um, you know, that in him. He probably would have just you know, send it to the presidency and say, okay, fine, I'm here now, I've made it. So uh, so perhaps he's going to try hard and perhaps um, hopefully he will um, pleasantly surprise those who didn't like him. Mm. Well, on that note, uh, that's where we're going to be wrapping it up on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. And I'd like to thank our guests, um, Associate Professor of International Relations and Political Sciences at the University of Johannesburg, uh, Professor David Munyai, as well as uh, our correspondent, uh, Karin Duplessis, uh, who has uh, just been reporting for the Sunday Times uh, from Nairobi. Uh, we appreciate your time, uh, the both of you. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. Mm -hmm.